And we have been looking at this concept. This is our fourth week with it. Guess what? We're going to do this a couple more weeks. And this is, honestly, this is, a, this is a scripture that you will hear me use in other messages probably five to six times a year. I bring us back to this truth over and over and over again because we have to understand this, that we have the power of choice. And as choosers, God desires us to choose life. God wants you to win. God wants you to have the fullness of life. That's what he desires for you. That's really what he wants. And I think that people that are having a hard time kind of on the fence, really moving forward with God and saying, God, I'm, I'm really going to trust you, that in the back of our minds, we're not fully convinced that what God wants for us is really going to be that great. We're like, I'm, really, I'm going to miss out on this. I'm going to miss out on that. And it's going to be... It's gonna. Be, I, I read the Bible and talk, it talks about self-sacrifice and loving other people as yourself or even as Jesus and, and all these different things. And somehow I feel like I'm going to get the short end of the stick. But the, the truth is, is Jesus understands these things and he reminds us of things like it's more blessed to give than to receive. That's why he wants you to be a giver by nature. That's why he wants you to be a blesser by nature. That's why he wants you to be engaged on those things because he wants good for your life. And we have to really get that on the inside of us. And God's been trying to get this through our skulls for millennia. Deuteronomy 30, 19 says, This day I call the heavens and the earth, call every bit of creation, as witness against you that I've set before you, life and death, blessing and cursing. Now choose life so that you and your children may live. Now, just real quick side note. You're like, well, man, why would God set both of them? I don't sit my kids and go, here's the dinner table. Here's a pile of poison. Here's some pork chops. Although some people call that poison too, but um, I like pork chops. And um, here's some green leafy lettuce. And uh, but it's supposed to be good for you. And, and go, okay, uh, you choose. And then go and choose the lettuce, kids. But if you choose the poison, oh, you know, it's like we wouldn't do that. So we, sometimes we can look at this and go, why is life and death set in front of us? This is kind of jacked up. We have to remember when we were created, we were created to live in life. And that when we ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, evil had existed all along. Satan existed outside of that deal. And they decided, you know what? No, as humanity, we want this good and evil thing. We had connected with it and invited that in. So now God is in the process. Now that we're choosers, he's pointing us to life over and over and over again. That is what he is doing. And so he says, choose life so that you and your children may live. So that you, obviously, we, this self-preservation thing kicks in pretty quick. You know what? I want the life choice. But I love it that God puts this in here, that you and your children may live. You and the ones that are following. You and the ones that are coming up, coming behind you. This series is bookended by Mother's Day and Father's Day. We start it with Mother's Day and we're going to end it with Father's Day. With people who have those behind them watching their choices. And sometimes our, choice, the, the magna, our choices are magnified on those that come behind. And as I was thinking about that, I remembered a, a decision, and I didn't realize the implication of it. I knew there was a bump, okay? But I didn't realize how big of a bump that there was going to be. And I was, we, as part of a, a bus ministry, 
And we were, had dropped off a bunch of kids, and I had a bunch of, of uh, teenage workers and some kid workers on the back of my bus, and they liked to ride in the back. In fact, Lauren Ramirez and Alyssa Ramirez, our, our nursery director, Katie, was on this bus. They were sitting in the back of the bus. Well, and of course, if you understand physics and you remember a bus, you got wheels right here and you got wheels right here, and you got all this bus hanging out back here. Well, that's called a lever, okay? You got a nice seesaw on wheels happening. And it's supposed to just roll. You're not supposed to engage the seesaw properties of a bus. Um, but somehow I did. And as we were coming back towards the church and I'm crossing uh, Chadburn or Oaks on Washington. I'm going down Washington and there's a big hump there. And I hit the one side and we come up and I'm driving. And then we come down and I hit the other side. And as soon as I hit it, I knew, oh, this isn't good. And the bus drivers have those big old rearview mirrors that let you see everybody. And my stomach just drops as I see these dear little children being thrown up. I am not joking. They relived it. Lauren has the scar across the front of her shin to prove it. And she comes up and one little girl goes up and lands on a bus seat and it knocks the wind out of her. Alyssa hits her head on the roof of a bus when she's like nine. She, she was shorter than she is now. And she hit her head on the roof of the bus. I mean, it was just a mess and just these kids. It looks like popcorn, but it's pop kids. And they're just plink, plink, plink. It was terrible. And the thing is, is I go over it and yeah, it bounced me. But the repercussions for those that came behind me were way, way, way worse. They were way worse. It was magnified multiple times over that decision to take that a little bit too fast. Us as parents, as leaders, as mentors, as guys, we have to understand that there's some things that, yes, they negatively affect us if we do. But for those that are watching, for those that are engaged, for those that are looking up to us, I'm telling you, it can have these consequences that just fall out so much bigger. God wants us to have this whole thing in mind. Choose life for you, but yeah, also understand that those that are coming behind you, they're seeing it. They're being impacted by it. They're learning how to choose. That old commercial, where'd you learn to do this? I learned it by watching you. It's just the truth. It's just the truth, and we need to embrace that because it's also so phenomenal. It's also so phenomenal about to the good. And this morning, I noticed how many of our, of, our, of our teens working around here and volunteering, and I noticed it for the first time this morning, I mentioned it to Mike Hernandez, that we've got an army of young people that are just around here, and as he gets out and his daughter comes out, and I'm like, it's, it is uh, 6.50 in the morning, He'd been up all night. He sits there and he comes out and here's his daughter coming out with him. And I'm like, man, you know, she probably wouldn't be here if her daddy wasn't leading her. He was setting the, he was setting the pattern. And then I started thinking about all of these other little, these teens who are involved, who have strong dads that serve in Christ and being involved is there. And it was just boom, 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 boom. And it could almost just fill up our entire, entire volunteer team of teens go boom 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 there it is they're being mentored and here i thought it was this whole time i thought wow we've got this great intern program no no we got some great dads we got some awesome dads and that's why that's happening
it works to the good. See, John 10.10 says, The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. And I have come so that they may have life and they may have it more abundantly. See, God is still directing us towards life. Jesus came so because God was hollering from the heavenlies, choose life, choose life, and Jesus came down as God in the flesh to point us towards life. We were still choosing destruction over and over and over again, and Jesus came. Jesus came so that we would choose life, so that we could have life and have it more abundantly. That's it. God is still directing us towards life. But you and I, we have to choose to listen. And just simply being in the environment where truth exists, where the voice is ringing out, doesn't mean that it's going to be heard. And every wife says amen. My wife says triple amen. Because she can tell me things. And if I'm not consciously engaged in conversation with her, she can be sitting next to me. And I just not hear it. And it's terrible. And I have to fix that about me. It frustrates her and it frustrates me. But it's true. I remember Brooklyn when Brooklyn was two years old. And she was, man, she just chatter, chatter, chatter. She talked all the time. She was standing on the couch one day and she's talking to me. And all of a sudden I'm watching TV. And the next thing I know, my, my face is in a vice. And I have a little cute Brooklyn face right in me. Because she just grabbed and goes, Daddy, listen to me. <laughs> just, ooh, just gave me whiplash. And she just, because I was there and she was talking, but I wasn't engaged. Listening is active. It's purposeful. It's wanting to take the information in. And so when we look at this, Jesus knew that. That's why he says, Matthew eleven fifteen. he who has ears, let him hear. Just because you have ears don't mean it's getting in there. Get it in there on purpose. Get it in there on purpose. This concept was talked about by multiple prophets in the Old Testament. And Jesus references it multiple times in the New Testament. That they could, would be ever hearing and never understanding. We hear it and just whoo, let it fall out. See, if we're going to choose life, we have to be willing to embrace truth. And sometimes, we talked about it last week, sometimes those truths confront us and they're difficult. But we have to listen on purpose. James 1.19, he's talking about with peers, but how much more is it important is it with God? My dear brothers, take note of this. Everyone, everyone, that includes you. That's everyone. Should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Here in West Texas, we, we, we think that says speak slow, but it's really slow to, it's really slow to speak. And um, Matthew 17, 5. It says, while he was still speaking. This is Peter. We talked about him before. And he, he's kind of quick to run off at the mouth. And the context of this scripture is Jesus has just been revealed in his heavenly form. The Bible says that he was in his glorified form. They, he, was, he was in his heavenly form. And Moses and Elijah in their heavenly form show up. And there's only three people there to witness, witness it. Peter, James, and John. And they see it, and they're overwhelmed by it and completely amazed by it. And Peter opened his mouth and says, Oh, this is so awesome. We need to build some temples here. And I've got this whole master plan, and this is incredible. And he wants to go and do, do, do. He immediately wants to engage and do all this. And God from heaven shuts him up. And while Peter is still speaking, a bright cloud enveloped them. 
That was, I believe, God's hands on his face. And a voice from the cloud said, This is my son whom I love. With him I'm pleased. He didn't say worship him. Could have said worship him. We'd have had no problem if the scripture would have said worship him right there. Could have said follow him. Could have said revere him. Could have said a lot of different things. But what did the voice from heaven say? Listen to him. He is the voice of truth. He is guiding you into life. Listen to him. Actively engage. You know, sometimes this Christian thing, it can be easier to show up to church and to try to build a monument and to find some act of worship and some act of accolade and all that than it is to simply shut up and listen to God. We need to listen. We need to be willing to lay down all of our stuff that makes us feel good about us being good Christians and just chill and let our Father God speak to us. Because see, true listening comes with a willingness to put aside our desires and trust that God wants only good for us. Because that's really the truth. It's okay to petition Him for things. Jesus prayed for Himself. Jesus prayed for himself, and it's okay that we pray for ourselves, but sometimes in prayer, we can have our things, and God, I need some help with this, and God, I'm confused on that, and God, I need all this. But at some point, we need to hush and let him respond and speak to our hearts, and he he speaks through his spirit, and he speaks through his word, and and he'll speak to us through his his body, through his people. But we need to have a willingness. Because see, let's look here at 2 Timothy 4, 3 through 4. It says, from the from the time for the time will come when men will not put up with sound doctrine isn't that wild that they won't even tolerate it sound doctrine oh yeah we can have it over here in the corner and it's okay we're going to have our bad doctrine no they'll actually get angry about good doctrine about and doctrine is just the philosophy of of god and, and his truth and all this kind of stuff it sounds like a big scary word but it's really not but they won't put up with the truth is what that is Instead, to suit their own desires, their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. I want to hear this. I need to find somebody that's saying that. I need to hear that. I need to engage on this level. I need to find somebody that's telling that. Instead of saying, God, I want your truth, And I'll lay down my own desires. I'll lay those down. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. They'll turn aside to stuff that isn't even real. They'll begin to embrace stuff that's absolute lies. We just simply can't, can't fall in to this trap. See, Matthew 6, 9 says... Then this is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. Your will be done. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And then as soon as we've got that, God, I want your will more than anything else. 
And we can say, God, give us this day our daily bread. I, I, need to, I have needs. They need to be met. I'm going to talk to you about them. That's all cool. Let's just put everything in the focus that, God, what you want is the most important thing to me. That is when everything is done. And now we're about to get into uh, some of the story of a, the man that wrote the bulk of the New Testament. It's a man named Paul. And he starts out with a different name, Saul. Some of you may be super familiar with him, and some of you may not be. We're about to get into a story where he is introduced. Okay, And there is a, <clears throat> there is a, a truth here that right now is beginning to have this this issue with us and our culture okay and i want to just address it real quick because because of the suicide bombings and because of these people who are dying for their faith then this concept of somebody somebody being more devoted to god than they are to self-preservation begins to have this scary connotation to our culture okay and we can't let that People who are taking it out of there and going and doing crazy things and hurting people take away the truth that we have to love God more than our very own lives. If we're going to be full-out followers of Christ, we, we don't have suicidal tendencies or any of that craziness, but we can't ignore the scriptures that say we our devotion to God has to go to that place and Him build it, that we trust Him, and that's more important to us than anything. So with that in mind, let's get into Acts 7, verses 51. And go forward. Because we see a man that chooses life. But loses his. And we have to see that there's truth in that. Acts 7.51 says you, this is <clears throat> a man named Stephen. And he, is, he has been preaching. And the Jewish people have come against the, the, believing, the believers. And he's been laying out this huge speech, and this is how he ends it. And they're all with him right up until verse 51. And this is where he loses them. And he says, you stiff-necked people with uncircumcised hearts and ears. Clogged up ears, clogged up hearts, nothing can get in. You are just like your fathers. You always resist the Holy Spirit. And when they heard this, they were furious and they gnashed their teeth at him. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. He's sitting there, he's being willing, he's telling them the truth, he's pointing them to the truth. It's a hard truth for them to hear. They are just coming at him. And he, God is so happy with him that he actually has a vision of Jesus standing at the right hand of God. That's life. That's life. And then we see their response. And then <clears throat> Stephen says, look, he said, I see heaven open up and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. And at this, they covered their ears and yelling at the top of their voices. So they're doing the old two-year-old thing of I don't want to hear this. Of, yeah, 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 yeah. Just I don't want to hear. I'm drowning it out to get it away from me. Shutting it out. Remember, we're talking about listening on purpose, and this is the extreme ridiculousness of refusing to listen. I'm clogging up my ears, I'm yelling and drowning out your voice, and now we are so angry about what you're trying to make us hear that they begin to kill him. 
And they all rush out him, drag him out into the city, and they begin to stone him. And they kill him. This is the first Christian martyr. There's many more to come as we unfold with Acts and the history of, the, of Christianity. There's many more to come. But this is the first recorded one. And they so reject the truth that they actually stop their ears up and they go against it. And they lay their, their, meanwhile the witnesses laid their clothes at the feet of a young man named Saul. Because see, one of the things that we need to understand is we need to understand this truth that God will guide you towards choosing life by His Spirit. By His Spirit. I have the privilege of talking to a man this week that is in a place of choosing life all afresh. Seeing God doing some rejuvenating things in his life. And I encourage him. I said, man, he's, this decision and this decision, man, that was fantastic. You're, you're listening to the Spirit of God. You need to be hearing God more than you need to be hearing me or anybody else. And he was like, man, but it, it, just, it, just, seems, it just seems so quiet and sometimes so hard to discern. I'm like, but you're doing it. And you're responding. God wants to lead us to life. He, it, is, it is so, so important. It is so important. See, Romans 8, 14 says, For those who are led by the Spirit of God, they are the children of God. They're the ones doing it. They're the ones listening to it. And early on in my, in my Christian walk, I began to, to sense this. And we're going we're gonna to look at something right here in just a minute. But I'd just taken over at the, the youth department of the church I was with. And we decided one Sunday afternoon that uh, me and my buddy Brandon Moore were going to take a, a van load of us and we were going to go out and swimming. I don't even know that it's legal to do this. And so don't tell me if it's not. And uh, I don't think there's enough water to do it anymore. But go out to the cage out at Twin Buttes. Anybody remember back when there used to be water there? And um, so we'd go out swimming at the cage and then we were taking a bunch. And so I didn't, I, at that point we thought it was legal. I, I think I've heard since then you're not supposed to do that. But, and um, so we're headed out there and... We've got everybody in this vehicle, and we're, I'm driving, he's riding shotgun, and we turn onto the dirt road to go out to the cage. And man, both of us just sensed in our hearts that we just whoop, don't need to do this. And to the point that it was weird that we go and we look at each other at the same time. I mean, it wasn't like I look at him and he look at it, it was just whoop. And then, like a couple of idiots, we're like, hmm, wonder what that is, and just keep going. And just keep going. I know, I know. I don't know why I tell you all this dumb stuff I've done in leadership. And then, I, and then somehow I hope you come back. <laughs> Woo! It's high trust relationship here. High trust relationship. And uh, so we go along. And it doesn't take us very long. We finally come inside of the cage. And we've been traveling behind these two vehicles all the way up there. And all of a sudden, these vehicles just stop. They stop and slam their brakes. And the back doors of this Suburban open up. This Camaro that's in front of us opens up. And I'm telling you, 30 people pile out of those two vehicles. And they've got knives and bats and all of this stuff. One of them has some sort of a gun-looking thing. And they pile out. And they're grinning ear to ear. And they take off running towards the deal. And I see this guy jump in this car and whoosh, he's hauling out. And then everybody's trying to pile back into the vehicles to chase this guy. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, I was just in the middle of this. So now we, we start praying for that guy. And we're like, turn around and we just get out of there. There's no swimming that day. There's no swimming. 
And, uh, but man, I still begin to learn early on that the Holy Spirit begins to guide us. And sometimes we have the word of God that things are clear cut. That there are things we just, the word guides us, but then the Holy Spirit guides us in these other things. And there are things that we need to recognize it and, and pay attention to it. And sometimes it feels like it's, it feels sometimes as we're learning it like guesswork. But it's not because we have our hearts right. Now let's look at, at Paul in Acts 16 and we're closing with this. Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Fergie and Galatia. Okay? They've already, he's already done some ministering. He's already done some different things. That Paul, that guy that got all that watched them murder that one guy... He gets saved between now and then. He has this incredible experience, and I challenge you to read Acts chapter 9, and you'll get the whole story. And, and so and he is now a minister. He had gone after these people and hated the Christians, and now he's a, he is a believer. And so when Paul and his companions have traveled. He's already been on one missionary journey. Okay? And he's traveled through the region of Fergie and Galatia, and having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. We just feel like we just don't need to go there. We just don't need to go there. So he's coming up out of Jerusalem. If you look at a map, they're just kind of going north. And then things go. And you can go into this great big earth cul-de-sac called Turkey. Or you can head towards this big open continent called Asia. And as he's going, he's going to big wide open territory. He's headed towards Asia and he just keeps getting cut off by the Holy Spirit. And then he came to the border of Mysia, and they tried to enter Bithynia. Again, they're kind of headed towards that direction. But the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. So then they passed by Mysia. Now, they've got the word of truth. They've got the word of truth. They're supposed to everybody. God loves for everybody. God's, but he's directing them. They're just trying to go preach. And God's word's directing them. God's Spirit's directing them. And during the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him to come over to Macedonia and help us. And after Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia. And I wanted you to watch this word. Watch this. This gives us some permission. And I want you to take this permission. Okay? Concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. Concluding that. We've put this together. God must be wanting this. Sometimes we don't. We get so stuck and we don't do anything thinking I need all this. Just go in the direction you feel like God's saying it's okay to go. And step out and have a pure heart and begin to move into that. We see Paul doing that. Paul does that. And you know what's amazing? And I wanted you to so get this that, that I put it in your notes. That the next 13 books of the Bible... The next 13 books, if we're following this story in Acts, the Corinthian letters, Romans right before that, everything that comes up until, up until um, after Philemon, Titus and Philemon, those 13 books are a direct, direct fallout of that decision. He didn't go to Corinth until he went that direction. He didn't go to Thessalonica until he went that direction. He didn't go to Ephesus until he went that direction. He didn't hook up with Titus and Timothy, got all of his mentorship, go in that direction. Hooks up with Philemon <coughs> through, the, through, a, through a runaway slave. All of these different things are a direct fallout, huge fallout. We're studying and reading his letters because of this decision 
that God recorded for us. And it wasn't this, I'm the man of God and I've heard and we must go to Macedonia. Well, we tried to go here and God didn't let us and we tried to go here and God didn't let us and I had a vision and maybe this is where we need to go. And he just stepped out with a pure heart, wanted to share the love of God and God leads it and whoosh. The, the consequences of the next 13 books of the New Testament, most of what we understand about a relationship with God comes with this, out of this. Some of these decisions can be monumental. We need to understand this, that God has given us his Holy Spirit and he wants to guide us. And sometimes we get, in, we get locked down and we just need to move forward. And as the Holy Spirit stops us, stop us. I love it that Pastor John taught me what he said is green light theology. And he, came, he got it from this, that Paul acted like he could just go and preach the gospel until the Holy Spirit gave him a red light. And then, nope, don't go there. All right, nope, don't go there. Okay, well, then we're going to go here. That God just freed us to love on people and freed us to be nice to people and freed us to be ministers to people. Let's do it. Let's do it. And the Holy Spirit will stop us and direct us. We have to believe that. See, John 14, 26 says, But the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will, rem- <clears throat> and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Jesus was convinced of it. He trusted, he trusted his disciples to the direction of the Holy Spirit. And he's trusting us to that same direction today. See, God desires to take each of us forward with him. And this forward growth happens choice by choice. We have our hearts right and want to do the things God's called us to and just believe that he's just guiding us in that direction. And let's choose to follow him and choose life. Let's not get locked down and do nothing. Let's just stay moving forward. I challenge you to take your next step forward. Holy Spirit, I believe, is prompting every one of us here on something we need to move forward, whether it's a, a conversation or a decision or something. Go, ah, is that really God? Does it violate the word of God? No, then do it. Do it. Fall. Watch, watch the, the beautiful growth that comes out of those decisions. If you think, God, maybe God's telling me to encourage this person, encourage them. It's a beautiful thing. Let's do this. This is what living a life of faith is, folks. This is what it is. That you and I daring to believe that God's still speaking to us today. And let's live this adventure. That's what this is. And this morning, you have the opportunity to say, Brandon, I, this is, this just, I'm on the outside of this. I'm still new to this whole God thing, much less God talking to me and and guess what? You're not really going to hear things until you are a new alive in Christ and his spirit's alive in you. And we can get that fixed today. Because the Bible says that today is the day of salvation. You can embrace the free gift of Christ anytime you get good and ready. And so this morning, I appreciate if we create a quiet moment. I don't want a bunch of people looking around. And we want to create this moment where he said, you know what? You talked about during the, during the communion thing about that the only thing that makes us right with God is what Jesus did. I've been trying to live a good life and I get frustrated. I've been trying to do all the right things and I get frustrated and it gets me nowhere. But I've never done this thing of just trusted God and let him lead me to life. If that's you and you want to embrace that, I want you to raise your hand up today. 